You think that's what God was doing? Was that God's intention? To save them from slavery and oppression only to let them die in the wilderness? God wants to bless you. God wants to be with you and walk with you and show his love to you. Welcome to In Grace with Jim Scudder, Jr. He is the senior pastor of Quentin Road Baptist Church in Lake Zurich, Illinois, and the president of Dayspring Bible College in Mundelein, Illinois. Welcome back to In Grace. This is Jim Scudder, and today our message is pretty exciting. In one way, I'm a little nervous to talk about what I'm going to talk about because it involves snakes. <laughs> so we're going to talk today about victory over venom. And you say, well, you know, I'm not that bothered by snakes. Uh, I, I don't know. I just, for some reason, I'm just not into snakes. Even though we live in the Midwest and it gets cold enough so we don't have poisonous snakes, they, I just don't like snakes. Maybe you do. But certainly you would not have liked the snakes that we read about in Numbers chapter 21. Today what we're going to do is talk about John 3, 14, where Jesus is talking to Nicodemus and says, just like Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the the Son of Man, referring to himself, be lifted up. What was he talking about? Well, we've all been bitten, and God provides the antidote. The cure is given to those who believe. And those are my three points today as we talk about victory over venom. Also, I'm excited today that we are announcing our brand new Gather in Grace events where we bring in grace to you. So we have the first one scheduled of this year in October in Mitchell, South Dakota. Now, we had one scheduled there a few years ago. We had to cancel. And those of you that were part of that, you had already signed up. You're a little upset, and I'm sorry. We're coming back. And everybody in the Dakotas probably knows the Corn Palace in Mitchell. That's where we're going to hold our rally and we would love to meet you. And there's a free ticket for you on our website, ingraceradio.com, or call us at 1-800-78-GRACE. We have a bunch of you that listen in Phoenix, Arizona, and we're going to be there as well. That'll be in February. We want you to come to one of our Gather in Grace events. Again, ingraceradio.com. I don't know about you, but I don't like snakes. And if you like snakes, don't tell me if you do. Because I still want to think highly of you. There's something wrong with people that like snakes. My wife, when she was a teenager, liked snakes. We're going to talk today about a snake or some snakes in John chapter 3. There was a hunter in Northern California that was climbing a rock cliff. And he was getting to the top of a ledge. And he was going to peek over the top of the ledge. And as he did... He heard and saw something moving quickly to his right. It was a coiled up rattlesnake. And it struck at him, narrowly missing his right ear. But it dug into his wool turtleneck. And the force of the strike wrapped the snake around his neck. So now he's got the fangs of a rattlesnake snagged on his sweater. And he's in a precarious position there on this rock ledge. And the snake not only is furiously rattling and coiling around his neck, he grabs the, the head behind the head, the neck of the snake. And as he grabs it, he's feeling warm venom going down his sweater. 
So, I mean, this is dangerous. As the snake is coiling tighter, he loses his grip on the rock and he begins to fall down. And he's now sliding down, head first, down this gorge, through the brush and through the sharp rocks with a rattle around his neck. This is not good. He stops. He's now wedged head first into a little crevice with the snake still around his neck. All he can think of doing is trying to squeeze tight and try to choke the snake. The snake is trying to strike and trying to strike and just barely missing every time. This went on, this whole encounter went on for about 20 minutes. Finally, the snake stopped moving and he survived this encounter. He said he got the snake off his neck and he tried to throw the snake and his hand went and opened up. He brought the snake, he brought the rattles into a game warden's office and, and he was rattling the rattles and he said, I'd like to file a complaint about your wildlife here. <laughs> and although he barely survived a snake bite, the rest of humanity isn't so fortunate. The Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. If we read the Bible, we find very early on, in the very beginning of the Bible, we read about sin. We read about a snake. We read about a snake in a garden. And the snake deceived your great-great-great-great-grandmother and our great-great-great-great-great-grandfather bit into the fruit as well, and he was bitten. Both of them now have sin or the venom of sin coursing through their veins. And just as surely if that guy had been bitten by that rattlesnake, he would have died. So will we now face not only the first death, which is the physical death of the body, but also the second death, which the Bible describes as an eternal lake of fire called hell. I was out with a gentleman this week, and we were talking to him about all of these things and about eternal life and how God loves the world and gave his son for the world. And, and he was listening, and he said, you know what? I am afraid of death, and I'm afraid of dying. I don't know anyone that isn't afraid of one of those two things or both. But I'd like to tell you about a man who came to Jesus who was very religious. He was a churchgoer. He was a, a Jewish man who was religious, and, and he did everything right. He came to Jesus, and he asked Jesus, how can we get to heaven? And Jesus said, you have to be born again. And this confused Nicodemus. How can I be born when I am old? Can I enter a second time into my mother's womb and be born? Obviously, Nicodemus, a good man, a religious man, needed uh, to be saved from his sins, just as all of us do here. So we find out that religion doesn't save us, but we need a second birth to avoid a second death. See? So how can we be born again? And then John 3, Jesus goes through what he's talking about, and he brings up, look at John 3, 14, he brings up this verse. Even as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so 
must the Son of Man, referring to himself, be lifted up. What in the world does that mean? Well, that's why a good Christian needs to know both Testaments. You need to know that that's a story in the, the story of the exile from Egypt. And it's a beautiful picture of our problem and the solution. And it involves snakes. We have all been bitten. That is the problem. We all are going to face eternal separation from God in what's called the second death, which is called hell. That's bad news. And when I was sharing the gospel with someone this week, he's like, that's really bad news. You're saying everybody has sinned and all our sin sends us to hell? That's bad news. He's like, do you have anything good for me here today? And we said, there's actually four preachers together witnessing to one guy. I mean, this poor, this poor man had no chance, right, to not, to not get saved. And we all started telling him about the good news. But the bad news is we've all been bitten. And, and we go back, and when, when Jesus told this to Nicodemus, Nicodemus certainly knew of, of Numbers chapter 21 and verses 5 and 6. And this is the story of the children of Israel that were in the wilderness. Moses was leading them, and they began to complain and murmur. The people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? Do you think that's what God was doing? Was that God's intention? To save them from slavery and oppression only to let them die in the wilderness? God wants to bless you. God wants to be with you and walk with you and, and show his love to you. But here they're complaining. They don't get it. You know what gets us into this, this wrong attitude about God? It's usually something that's happened in our life. And I'm telling you, as a pastor, I hear some of the, the worst things that have happened to you. My heart breaks for you. It really does. And almost everyone in this room, you've gone through something really bad. Whatever it is, some are just things that happen, and some are things that we've done to ourselves. But whatever it is, you've gone through some really hard thing in life. You start to doubt that could God really love me if he allowed this bad thing to happen to me in my life? And here they were. God doesn't care about us. He's really not interested in our best interest. There is no bread. Look at verse 5 again. Neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth as light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. This is sad. This shows you what distrust and rebellion brings. They all were bitten, and we all have been bitten by the snake of sin. Because of rebellion and distrust, because we don't believe that God really cares about us, we get the wrong attitude about God, and we all have sinned. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we were born in sin. We know that God loves us. Sin separates us from God and hell. What are we going to do? You know, they say that there are still snakes like the snakes in Arabia that bit the children of Israel that are still there. They're a very dangerous snake with red spots on its head, and the Bedouins are bare-legged and sandaled. 
And the Bedouins are so afraid, and they should be, of these snakes because they say its bite is so horrible that it, within a few hours you are racked with pain. You feel the venom going through your, your veins, and eventually it leads to a horrible death. So from all the crevices of all the rocks, from the holes in the sand, from beneath the bush in the desert, these fiery-headed snakes swarmed every tent. They couldn't get away. They couldn't kill them. They were there all around. Again, rebellion had brought about this mess. If you've ever dreamed of an exciting adventure to the mysterious land of Jordan, then call 800-78-GRACE or go to ingraceradio.com right now to get your free digital copy of InGrace's new series, Discover Hidden Jordan. And when you give a gift of $35 or more to InGrace this week, Jim Scudder will thank you with not one, not two, but three amazing gifts. The Discover Hidden Jordan DVD, the Armageddon's Dawn Prophecy Chart, and an incredible book written by Dr. James A. Scudder Sr. called The Coming World Leader. And for those of you ready to make a profound impact and help more people hear the clear gospel with a generous gift of $100 or more, Jim Scudder will also include two more video series, his eight-part Armageddon's Dawn and the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. Again, that's 800-78-GRACE, ingraceradio.com. Or write to InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Look at Numbers 21, verse 9. It says, Moses made a serpent of brass. Here's the cure given to those who believe. And put it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So what did the people have to do? They had to believe God. When you look, you'll live. That's the cure. So we must do something, and it's not a work. All we have to do is look in faith. These people looked, and they were cured instantly from the venom of sin, the venom of distrust, the venom of rebellion. Imagine if we were to take a walk around that camp, and all of these different tents were set up there. All of them had people in those tents that were dying. In one tent is a middle-aged man He's tried every remedy that medical science can provide. He says, I've done everything. There's no way that looking at a mere piece of brass can possibly save me. He died. We go to another tent, and there's an old woman in the tent. And she says, when she hears the good news, all you have to do is look at the brass pole and live. She says, no. No, it's too late. I'm too old. You can't teach an old dog new tricks. It's too late for me. She refuses to look. She dies. And a third tent is a young man. He says, I'm fine. It was only a scratch. He dies. And another tent is an old man in acute pain. He listens with skepticism. He says, if God wished to save me, he would come and talk to me himself. He died. There's another tent. A young woman is in that tent. And she says, looking at the pole is too simple. I must bow at the pole. I must 
worship the pole. I must pray to the pole. She dies. And then finally we come to another tent. And there's a mother holding a young girl who had been bitten by the snake. And the girl is in agony. And of course the mother's in agony. And anytime you're in that situation, you'd be in agony. And the message is presented to the mom and the child. If you will bring her out and she can look upon the pole of Moses, the serpent on a pole, she will be cured. And the mother's crying and she can't really believe it. It just doesn't sound like a cure to her. But the little girl says, Mommy, Mommy, please, I want to look. I want to look at the pole. I want to be cured. So against her better judgment, the mother carries the dying girl outside the tent door, and that little girl looks at that pole, and it's saved. She lives. So what is it that saves us? Is when we believe God. When we look in faith upon Jesus, even as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And when you believe that Jesus died for your sins on a cross, when he was buried, he rose again the third day, showing the payment had been accepted by God. When you look to him in faith and just believe in him, it sounds too simple. It sounds like you have to do something. You have to be ritualistic. You have to pray to statues or count beads or be baptized. You've got to do something. The Bible said it's a gift. That's when you're saved. That simple childlike faith. Just believe. And then the next verse in John 3 is verse 15. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That word perish is where the word apollyon comes from. That means utter destruction. Irreparable loss. Spiritual destitution. Perish. That's what all of us are facing. We all have been bitten by sin. We're all going to perish. But if you believe in him, whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So perish is hell. Everlasting life is heaven. The next verse is very similar to 15, and that's John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Let's go through that again, word by word. For God, the greatest one, so loved the greatest degree, the world, the greatest amount of people, that he gave the greatest generosity. His only begotten son, the greatest uniqueness. That whosoever, the greatest invitation, believeth in him, the greatest simplicity, should not the greatest certainty perish, the greatest loss, but the greatest difference, have the greatest possession, everlasting, the greatest length, life, the greatest gift. Isn't that a great verse? And it's available to you. You're the world that God so loved. And although we've sinned against him, he said, you know what? I love them so much that instead of just saying, okay, I'm done with them, I'm going to send my only son for them. 
I'm going to give that to the world as a gift. And anyone who believes, looks upon him in faith, shall not perish, which is hell, but have everlasting life, which is heaven. My friend, that's good news. Now let's go back to Nicodemus as we're about to conclude today. Nicodemus, I believe, believed Jesus in the simplest of terms here in John 3. A religious man learned that he wasn't religious enough because religion can't save us. Religion is our attempt to reach God. God says, religion can't save you. You can't be good enough, so therefore I'm reaching down to save you. But God isn't gonna force himself on you. He loves you, but love has to be received, right? Love has to be accepted. He can't force it on you because that's not love. Love is when he says, here's the gift of eternal life. All you have to do is receive it by faith, by believing, by trusting in Jesus. And when you do that, you're looking at Jesus on the cross. You believe in him. The Bible says, instantly are you cured. That little girl didn't have to go through you know, a year of treatments or chemo or keep taking this until the bottle's gone. She was instantly cured from dying to life. And that's exactly what happens when we're saved spiritually. When we look upon Jesus, who was lifted up on the cross, when we trust in him, instantly we have eternal life. And I'm telling you, you can put your head on the pillow and you can sleep so good knowing that you're on your way to heaven because God loves you and he's gonna keep those who have come to him in faith. You're a child of God. You say, well, what's the point of good works? Well, this verse says, for by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. What is the gift of God? Salvation, eternal life, not of works lest any man should boast. But the next verse, in verse 10, it tells us that after we've received that by faith, now we can serve the Lord with gladness as a result of our salvation, right? We want to work for the Lord, not to be saved, not to stay saved, but because of our salvation. That's the Christian life. But that doesn't save you. Works don't save you or keep you saved. They are a display of our salvation. If you love the Lord and, and you walk with the Spirit of God every day, you'll be able to find uh, that you're serving the Lord and doing those things that he wants you to do. Not always, but most of the time. And it's a wonderful life if you can do that. But first, you have to come to that moment of faith, realizing that I am in trouble. I am dying, and I'm going to look upon Jesus as my only hope. So when you believe, when you look upon Jesus and believe, you have eternal life. That's what Nicodemus did that night. He believed. Now, fast forward a little bit of time. Toward the end of the book of John, we find Nicodemus again entering the story. Nicodemus was one of the two that came to bring Jesus' dead body off the cross. And I wonder, as he saw Jesus being lifted up on the cross, if the words of Jesus were ringing in his ears that Jesus was predicting his own crucifixion. Certainly, certainly he must have been thinking that. We have a song that we sing. It's called Hallelujah, What a Savior. It goes like this. Lifted up was he to die. It is finished was his cry. Now in heaven, exalted high. Hallelujah. What a Savior. 
Hallelujah, what a Savior. He is so amazing. And if you'll simply look upon him, believe in him, you'll be saved today, tomorrow, and forever. I'm excited tomorrow because we're going to be playing part two of Discover Hidden Jordan. Some people don't realize how many biblical sites are in Jordan. And tomorrow we're going to be talking about Petra. Now, you probably want to more than hear the Discover Hidden Jordan series. You want to watch it. So if you'd like to get the full-length two-part video series, Discover Hidden Jordan, we're going to thank those of you that support in grace with a digital copy, a link to this incredible video. If your gift is $35 or more, more people hear the gospel, and I'll also send you a book about the Antichrist and a prophecy chart. If your gift is $100 or more, listen, we want to really equip you to know what's coming in the end times. Let me send you our eight-part video series on Bible prophecy called Armageddon's Dawn and our series on the rebuilding of the Jewish temple. Call us, 1-800-78-GRACE, or go to ingraceradio.com. Don't forget your free digital copy of Discover Hidden Jordan. And for gifts of $35 or more, get the DVD, the Prophecy Chart, and the Coming World Leader book. For gifts of $100 or more, Jim Scudder will also include two video series, Armageddon's Dawn and the quest to rebuild the Jewish temple. Call 800-78-GRACE. Go to ingraceradio.com or write to Ingrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Thank you for joining us on Ingrace Radio with Jim Scudder, Jr. Ingrace is a member of the Evangelical Council for Financial Accountability. Our goal is to share the light of Jesus to a darkening world, helping you find hope, gain purpose, and be a light. You can be that light today by joining our mission to spread the gospel around the world. Just call us, 800-78-GRACE, or go online, ingraceradio.com. You can also write to us at InGrace, P.O. Box 9, Lake Zurich, Illinois, 60047. Tune in tomorrow as we continue to explore God's Word and His world on InGrace Radio. Radio.